Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. I'm Steve Z. Let's get right to it. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday. It is the 28th day of April, 2021. We are past the 100-day mark for the gropey Joe Biden presidency. And, in my opinion, D- minus is the grade I would give him. You know what? Let me bump that up to D+. He hasn't sent us to war in some foreign country. He hasn't drafted all of our young men and forced them to die in some foreign conflict. So we'll give him a D+. How's that? It was 40 years ago when a newly elected President Ron Reagan spoke to a joint session of Congress. And at that time, he called for very deep cuts in federal spending. Reagan said during his inauguration, In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. 25 years ago, President Bill Clinton spoke to a joint session of Congress, and he confessed that he had overestimated the public's appetite for federal programs. Bill Clinton said, We've got to give the American people an administration that lives within its means. The era of big government is over. Well, here we are in the year 2021, present day America. And tonight, Joe Biden will address Congress for the first time in his presidency from behind his teleprompter and his pre-prepared speeches. He will disavow the declarations of William Jefferson Clinton and of Ronald Reagan, and he will make the case for the first time in decades, that government spending must be sharply expanded to meet the nation's needs. I always say the ever-expanding government is expanding the taxes to support the ever-expanding needs of the ever-expanding government. Joe Biden said last month, this is not a plan that takes around the edges. It's a once-a-generation investment. If the largest jobs of America program since World War II. And that's only one-third of his proposed package. The dollar figures in the Biden proposals are staggering. They're mind-blowing. They're damn near unfathomable. And in fact, if a human being were to count in seconds the number of dollars that Joe Biden is proposing in new taxation and new spending, A person could be born counting and would not reach the number of that spending proposal until they were 127 years old. The dollar figures are indeed staggering. The emergency plan alone for relief from that COVID-19 pandemic was $1.9 trillion, and it squeaked through Congress without a single vote to spare. The second slice is his so-called jobs and infrastructure package, which is now estimated to be between 2.3 and 2.7 trillion additional dollars if they're passed as proposed. And in his newest proposal, a long list of priorities in health, education, child care, family leave, and other items could cost an additional $1.8 to $2.1 trillion. If Congress approves all of that spending, the total would be nearly $6 trillion. 
Remember, that's what they did in Venezuela. They raised a bunch of proposals, forced them on their people, and bankrupted an entire thriving nation. The boldest, most ambitious goal is Gropey Joe's underlying proposal, his underlying goal, his underlying aim to reverse the entire Reagan revolution beyond taming the coronavirus, beyond reviving the economy that the Democrats shut down. Gropey Joe and Camel Toe hope to prolong, perpetuate, or at least expand a change in public opinion. He wants to make big government popular again. And he started out in drips and drabs, offering you a bonus to your unemployment check. Just stay home. Wear your mask and stay home. Don't go to your job. We're shutting your jobs down anyway. But here's unemployment plus a $400 bump. Then here's a stimulus check and another and another and another. Gropey Joe Biden is hoping to revive what former Clinton aide William Galston has called the liberal democratic bargain. The very notion that governments win legitimacy when they produce not just soaring stock markets, but rising incomes and a growing middle class. Biden said last month, it's basic question. Could democracy still deliver for their people? The pandemic and the economic distress that the pandemic produced has given Joe Biden a chance to try. Some public opinion polls show that near record numbers of Americans say they want a more activist federal government. But again, We talked about polling on yesterday's program. You can ask 100 girls age 8 if they think boys are yucky, and 90 of them are going to say boys are yucky. But if you ask 100 girls age 17 if boys are yucky, they're pretty likely going to say no. Boys are dreamy. An NBC News poll this month claims that 55% of Americans want the federal government to do more to solve the nation's problems. Well, of course, if you word the question like that, 41% say they want the government to do less, which is a vast reversal from 1995 during the Clinton administration when 62% said the government was trying to do too many things to the people. The shift in sentiment is not only a response to COVID-19, according to NBC News. Earlier economic distress played a role as well. The NBC poll found similar support for large government back in 2018, before the coronavirus was popular. A public opinion has evolved. So have the political parties. In last year's presidential campaign, Biden and the Democrats championed a long list of free spending, free money ideas, like tax subsidies for families with children, an idea that only four years before Hillary Clinton rejected as being too damned controversial. Meanwhile, Republicans' traditional arguments against spending lost much of their credibility after Donald Trump championed a $2 trillion tax cut, which swelled the deficit, but ended up doing very little for middle-class families according to NBC. Helped me out quite a bit. Biden's hope is he can take the current public mood and turn it 
into a long-lasting sentiment. Celinda Lake is a Democratic pollster who advised the 2020 Biden campaign. Lake said, right now it's a crisis response. The challenge for progressives is to make it a long-term response, a long-term action, a sea change in the shift of sentiment for Americans. To do that, Biden and his allies would need to accomplish two things. One is keep throwing money at programs until they succeed. Deliver benefits to people who need help so that those people can respond favorably in polls. The other is to make sure that key voting groups that helped Gropey Joe win the election, you know, unions, millennials, women, gays, minorities, get the message that the president is just shelling out the money, making it rain, giving away working people's tax dollars on programs that just gimme, gimme, gimme to people who refuse to work, refuse to contribute, and always have their hands out, begging for more. There's plenty that can go wrong, my friends. Some of the programs will likely run into problems just like the Obamacare plan did. All that federal spending will definitely spur inflation. And guess what? I can weather some inflation financially. A millennial making 20 grand a year might have a little trouble swallowing inflation. Things could also go right for Gropey Joe. When a big federal program fills a real broadly based need, such as Social Security back in 1935 or Medicare in 65, it could take root and possibly survive. The president's address to Congress tonight, like Reagan's in 1981 or Clinton's in 96, according to people in the media, should be worth watching. At least the stumbles, the stutters, the stammers, the mumbles, the fumbles. And God, please bless us with a non-working teleprompter so that gropey Joe Biden has to go off the cuff and actually read, not read, actually say a sentence without reading it, actually speak impromptu so we can learn what the Groper-in-Chief really, really wants for America. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Now, tonight's speech by Gropey Joe Biden might be his speech, but Camel Toe Harris and Nazi Pelosi will also make some history this evening. In an era of political firsts, tonight is set to offer one of the most symbolic when the first time two women will flank an American president's at the top of the House chamber as he delivers an address to a joint session of Congress. For years and years, there's been at least one dude standing behind and up to one side or the other from a sitting president. Biden's remarks are expected to focus on his 100 days in office, the sweeping infrastructure proposal he unveiled, and of course, what Biden Democrat speech would be complete without taking a few digs at Donald Trump and his loathsome, deplorable supporters. You know he's going to mention the January 6th attack at the Capitol that only killed one person an unarmed white female, Ashley Babbitt, at the hands of a cowardly African-American, still unnamed police lieutenant from the Capitol Police Force. 
This moment in history will formally launch proceedings that might be the most enduring. According to protocol, Vice President Camel Toe Harris will call the proceedings to order, and then Nazi Pelosi will formally introduce Gropey Joe to the Congress as the president for the first time. And it only took 100 days. This moment will last seconds, and it's not usually seen by the global television audience, but it will be a pinnacle of remarkable rise for two female Democrat dogs. I can't use the word I want to use. From the California Bay Area. Both Harris and Pelosi have been formed by the political experiences of their parents. One is the daughter of a big city mayor, the other the daughter of a civil rights activist. Both are tested by years of resistance from partisan structures that historically threw up roadblocks to allegedly slow the rise of a one former housewife and two young ambitious civil rights attorneys says a lot about our country and a lot about Joe Biden and certainly a lot about both of the bitches who've made it to that place. It's going to be an emotional time tonight. You'll probably see tears. <laughs> Aides to Camel Toe Harris consider tonight will be another marker in an already historic period in the history of the vice presidency and women in politics. But they stress in Democrat circles, that the substance of Camel Toe Harris's work will be far more important than the symbolism raised by seeing her standing behind, quote-unquote, her man, Joe Biden. Anytime there's a big decision to make the White House, gropey Joe Biden promised that the vice president would be the last person in the room, according to Harris Communications Director Ashley Etienne. What hasn't been covered is, she's been at every table, and she's been a voice in every decision made, and she's been there for every decision of consequence. That's right, because she is running the show as yet another puppet of the left. She is there to make sure gropey Joe Biden doesn't open his feeble, senile mouth and make a comment that might go against the puppet master's rules and regulations. Pelosi is 81 and Harris is 56. Pelosi is the daughter of former U.S. Representative and former Baltimore Mayor Thomas D'Alessandro Jr. She grew up in a politically active family. After college, she got married to Paul Pelosi, moved to New York and then San Francisco, and raised five children. After those children were grown, she became the Democrat National Committee member and the chairwoman of the Democrat Party in California. She ran for Congress for the first time at age 47 at the 1987 election. When she came to Washington, she was only one of 25 women in the House. And she has done nothing but stir the pot and wreak havoc ever since. Camel Toe Harris was born and raised in Oakland, California. She's the daughter of Don Harris and Shamala Gopalan. They're academics who met at a civil rights movement. Their activism became a driving factor for Camel Toe Harris to make the decision to work in the criminal justice system. And from there, the dark-skinned, non-African-American Camel Toe Harris, who pretends to be black when she's really not, 
makes stupid statements like this one. Growing up the way I did knew how law enforcement had a long history of enforcing laws indiscriminately, often based on race and racism. That's why I chose to become a prosecutor. Well, you could have formed a complete sentence there, but you didn't. She went to Howard University and she interned at the office of Alan Cranston, whose seat she later won. She then worked at a deputy district attorney in Alameda, California, and later in San Francisco. She won a bitterly contested district attorney election in 2004. She moved on to become the attorney general in California back in 2010. And she has stirred the pot, making it very difficult for African Americans in California. But because her skin was dark, and because most of the voters didn't pay attention to the substance, only the color, she got elected again. Then, she was the last place finisher in the Democrat primaries for this election cycle. Last place. Did not even secure 1% favorability rating. But again, solely due to the fact that she has a vagina and dark skin, she was picked in some affirmative action type choice by Gropey Joe Biden's handlers. The only way you're going to win, Gropey Joe, is if you put a blackish female on your ticket. Otherwise, the orange man's going to win again. So Gropey Joe feebly picked her, and she is doing everything in her power to secretly, behind the scenes, undermine Gropey Joe, which you and I both know isn't going to be hard to do. Anyway, tonight, during the speech, a place in history as a feeble, senile dementia patient, a stuttering, stammering buffoon reads a pre-prepared speech written by his handlers, there will be a female on either side of him, nodding, doting, fawning over his every word in approval. Won't be anything at all like nasty Nancy Pelosi's constant face-jerky motions looking like a stroke victim as she sneered and growled at every word Donald Trump said during his State of the Union address last year, where she, like a four-year-old child, impetuously tore up her copy of the State of the Union address, a public records document, which, by the way, is a federal offense, but no one will ever charge her with that, destruction of federal documents. I will end up probably watching parts of this because it's my duty to inform you, the Truth Hurts program public, of what's happening in the United States of America. But you don't have to endure it. You don't have to give CBS, ABC, MSNBC, HLN, NBC, or even Fox News the courtesy of watching and then listening to advertisements. Do yourselves a favor. Wednesday night is usually bike night somewhere. Go look at the cool motorcycles. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Imagine you're a hard-working guy in an oil field union, or a coal miners union, or the steel workers union, or the amalgamated transit union, or the AFL-CIO. And your union leadership has lied to you for decades, telling you, Give us money. We'll make sure you keep your jobs. We'll make sure you get better wages. We'll make sure you get better benefits. 
and we'll support the Democrat Party because they are pro-union. Well, they are pro-union. They're just not pro-union members. Another pro-President Gropey Joe Biden union just told its entire rank-and-file members, sorry guys, you're all fired. Last week, the United Mine Workers of America Union endorsed Gropey Joe Biden's new energy policy. You heard me correctly. The coal mining union bosses have embraced the very bill that outlaws coal mining. This is about as dumb as the pipefitters union endorsing Biden for president because he repaid them with his first act as president, killing the Keystone Pipeline. So now you have the pipefitters union voting against pipelines and the coal miners unions now staunchly in support of ending coal mining. Does anybody ever bother to ask the rank and file members of those unions what they thought? Can those union members get a refund on their dues? They should. The livelihoods of more than 50,000 coal miners just got sold down the river by their own union bosses. And that's not including their spouses, their children, and all of the ancillary businesses that rely on coal mining for their very existence. If there are no more coal miners and no more coal mining, then those companies that sell mining equipment and other supplies to coal miners will also be shut out of their jobs. This slap in the face to the very rank-and-file union members reaches far, far further than those union members themselves. All for what? So miners can be given Biden welfare checks? Or so mining jobs, which usually pay $75,000 or more a year, can be replaced with solar panel installation jobs? Ask any miner about that trade, as I have, and they will laugh in your face. United Mine Workers President Cecil Roberts conceded that his union members, quote, may lose a few more jobs here, unquote, but he defended his capitulation to the Biden anti-coal radicals by saying, we're trying to, first of all, insert ourselves to the extent that we can in this conversation because our people, a lot of coal miners in this country, their families have already suffered some traumatic losses. So the solution is to make the traumatic losses a whole lot worse? Hey Cecil, why not defend your industry? That's what those coal miners in your union pay you dues for. You're not out there mining. You're not out there getting dirty, getting black lung. You're sitting in an office somewhere on the 30th floor of some major office tower in a corner office making decisions that affect those who pay your salary. America was built on coal. Hell, we're the king of coal. And we have 500 years worth of coal left in the ground in states ranging from West Virginia all the way to Wyoming. And we have the cleanest coal in the world. Coal is one of the cheapest, most reliable, durable forms of power production in our country. You get at least two times as much energy from coal as you ever will from wind and solar. 
even if you move toward renewables, as Texas power outages this winter should have taught us. Coal is the essential backup power source when the wind turbines don't turn and the solar panels freeze over. Don't for one minute believe that shutting down coal production in America will save our planet from the falsehood of man-caused global warming. Nikkei Asia reports that China has an addiction to coal and its use of coal is rapidly rising, not falling. In fact, the Chinese are expected to build hundreds of new coal-fired power stations over the next decade. India, Vietnam, Indonesia, and other Asian nations with a combined population at least five times that of the United States are also banking on coal as a major source of inexpensive power for decades to come. For every coal plant that the United States shuts down, the rest of planet Earth will build 10 new ones. Global warming is not adversely affected by coal. There's got to be something about rich, college-educated, so-called humanitarians pontificating about the sacrifices that must be made to stop global warming, but yet they jet-set around the nation in airplanes that use fossil fuel to come up with plans to make other people who make far less money than they do suffer all the pain. If climate change meant every college professor, every media personality, and every multi-million dollar donor to the Environmental Defense Fund got to lose their livelihood, I doubt that they would be so supportive of this Green New Deal. Victims of the energy policies in Washington, D.C. are usually, and again this time, the very blue-collar workers whose job losses will continue to stack up. This, my friends, is one of the worst betrayals in the history of our country. And the worst betrayal of all is that the union bosses are all in on it. Hey, Mark, did you see your paycheck? Yep. They're still taking out union dues? Yep. Funny. <laughs> I thought our union was supposed to protect us, protect our jobs, protect our livelihoods. Yep. But now the union bosses just decided to approve of President Joe Biden's proposal to shut down our industry, shut down our way of life. Yep. And that means we'll all be out of a job. Yep. You too. Yep. Is that all you can say? Yep. Yep. Aren't you aggravated? Yep. Aren't you agitated? Yep. Aren't you fighting mad? Yep. Dude, don't you have anything else to say other than yep? Yep. Yep. In fact, I'm pissed that I've spent my entire adult life working here in the coal mines making sure that the people of America have the coal they need to get them through those cold winter months and through those hot summers with coal for their furnaces and coal to power the electrical power grid. I am totally frustrated by the move to eliminate this inexpensive source of energy. I'm really aggravated that the Democrats don't see the value in our hard work for our lifelong sacrifices. I'm beyond pissed at the fact that we've spent billions of dollars as an industry to make sure our coal is clean, efficient, and safe. I'm pissed that we've done everything the government has asked of us over the past three decades, and now they just simply want to shut it all down. But most of all, I'm really hacked off that our own union leaders have been living high on the hog all these years, 
taking big chunks of our paychecks in the form of union dues, and now they've sold us down the river. We got screwed by our own union, Bob, and now they have the nerve to take dues out of our checks again this week, all while shoving a hot coal right up our butts. Wow, Mark, I never heard you say so much at one time before. Well, Bob, like most of us here in mining country, we just sit back and do our jobs, mind our own business, pay our union dues, and hope we can continue working to support our families. After all, that's why we have union leadership to begin with, so they can speak up for us. But now they've screwed us, and our kids, and our grandkids. Think about all those young folks who plan their futures around coal. They've gone to college, get degrees in geology, engineering, energy production, mine safety, and the like. Poof, gone with a stroke of a pen. And worst of all, we're still paying our union dues so that those leaders will protect our futures. And now they've crapped all over the future. They've sold us out, all for the letter D. You said it, Mark. You're 100% right. And then, Bob, they insult us by saying we can simply turn around tomorrow and get a job installing solar panels? For what, 15 bucks an hour? Not me. I'm too old to start something new for one-third of the pay. Hey, thanks a lot, union bosses. I love getting screwed. I guess we are screwed. Yep. Yep. A little Devo, D-E-V-O, credit for the background music for that song to that 1980s MTV band. Hey, that's going to do it for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts Program Network. All rights reserved.